If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf, and welcome to another episode of Cleaning Up the Mental Mess, a podcast dedicated to helping you take back control of your mental health and life. In this episode, I have the honor of interviewing someone I have admired for years, Dr. Daniel Amen. We discuss his newest book, The End of Mental Illness, why we need to change the narrative around mental health problems what the current psychiatric system is getting so wrong, how to get rid of toxic and negative thoughts, what to do and eat to improve mental and brain health, how brain scans can show us how to solve mental health issues, and so much more. Dr. Amen is one of America's leading psychiatrists and brain health experts. He has authored or co-authored 70 professional articles and more than 30 books, including New York Times mega bestseller, Change Your Brain, Change Your Life. He has appeared on numerous television shows, including Dr. Phil, Larry King, Dr. Oz, The Doctors, and The View. Dr. Amen has helped millions of people change their brains and lives through his health clinics, best-selling books, products, and public television programs. If you enjoy my podcast and want to know how you can help me continue making them possible, Please consider subscribing wherever you listen and leaving a five-star review. And please continue sharing this podcast with friends and family. Be sure to also follow me on social media for daily mental health tips and strategies. Just look for Dr. Caroline Leaf on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Lastly, if you would like to sign up to receive free weekly text messages from me with more tips to help you with your mental health, just text Dr. Leaf to 80519. You will also get insider access to special events, sales, and so much more. Plus, when you sign up today, you will get 15% off your online order. For more details, just check out the show notes. Now, on to today's episode. Dr. Daniel Amen, one of my favorite people, thank you so much for agreeing to do this interview and taking time out of your busy schedule. You have so much wisdom. You've been someone that I've followed for years and I've learned so much from you. So thank you for sharing your time with me today and your wisdom. And I know my viewers are going to love you. Wow. Thank you for helping me spread this message. I'm so passionate about how we can end mental illness. 
I know you are. And, and I love that. And it comes through in everything you do, your work, your books. And I've got so many great questions for you. I doubt we'll get through all of them, but this is not the first. This is the first of many different connections that we'll have. So can you just tell my viewers, most people know you. If they don't, if you can just tell them a little bit about you and tell them what's not in your bio, because I think people love to hear just that little insider information. Well, I'm one of seven children. I'm completely not special. Third of seven, I have an older brother, an older sister, and four younger wow. sisters. So my wife says I came housebroken. I and love this. Well-trained <laughs> in learning how to deal with women. And mm. when I was 18, the government still had a draft. Vietnam was going on. And I became an infantry medic where my love of medicine was born. But about a year into it, I realized I didn't like being shot at. It just wasn't my thing. And so I got retrained as an x-ray technician and developed a passion for medical imaging. As our professors used to say, how do you know unless you look? Mm. And then I got out and went to college and then medical school. And when I was a second year medical student, someone I cared about tried to kill herself. And I took her to see a wonderful psychiatrist. And I came to realize if he helped her, which he did, it wouldn't just help her, that ultimately it would help her children and even her grandchildren as they would be shaped by someone who was happier and more stable. So I mm. fell hard in love with psychiatry because I realized it has the potential to change generations of people. But I fell in mm. love with the only medical specialty that virtually never looks at the organ it treats. And I knew it was wrong. And mm. even back then, I had a sense I was going to be involved in changing that. Mm. And so over the last 30 years, we've been looking at the brain. And that has changed everything in my life. Mm. It changes how I sleep, what I eat. It, you know, I met my wife 15 years ago. And I knew before I would fall in love with her, I'd have to look at her brain. That that was the most I love that's hilarious. Okay. <laughs> that is so funny. I can't you had to look at her brain first. Hang on, before I marry you, just let me do a spec scan quickly. I love that. <laughs> and she obliged. And she did. And if you if you date any of my four kids, you get scanned. That's it's like so I'm not kidding about funny. this. Because ultimately it's the physical functioning of your brain that helps you be a good partner or not a good partner. Wow. And if you will not embrace brain health, why am I going to be okay with you dating my daughter mm. and mm. my daughter's boyfriend? And they're very serious. His mother killed herself mm. when he was 12 and he found her. You bet oh, I want to know what's going on. And I adore him. He's mm. just part of the family. Mm. But it's like, okay, these are some things to do to manage your anxiety. Mm. And, you know, what I love about Michael is he's embraced that mm. and he's better for it. But also his relationship with Chloe, my daughter, is better for it as well. So better wow. brain, everybody benefits. Benefits. Oh, I love that. That's incredible. And, you know, you in your in your latest book, here it is. The End of Mental Illness. What a great title. I mean, I'm so in there with you. The whole way mental illness is labeled, defined, named, it needs to change. And one of the things that's my favorite thing in this, I, I love the whole book, okay? But one of the things that's a favorite thing is how you track the history of how that Jarrett, I think it was, was treat, would have been treated through the ages. And I found that fascinating because I had done a slideshow a few years ago in, 
in one of the places I taught, just tracking the bit of the history, but the way you've done it and what would have happened at each stage and how mental illness has been so badly managed, how the mental space has just been, it's been disastrous. And we're not even handling it well now, all these years later with all our advances in medical technology and medicine. And you have really captured that. So do you mind just as you launch into your fantastic book, do you mind just take us through a quick walk through memory lane on how someone like Jared, who was diagnosed with ADHD, I think it's Jared. Was that the correct name? Right, Jared. And he was eight when I first met him. And he was a nightmare. He was diagnosed with ADHD at three. Aggressive learning problems, hyperactive, restless, impulsive, no friends. And the psychiatrist made diagnoses based on symptoms with no biological information. He met all the criteria for ADHD failed five stimulant medications. I mean, after the third one, it's like, okay, who's got the learning problem, the child or the doctor? Exactly. Thank you. Thank you. And when they wanted to put him on an antipsychotic medication at the age of eight, eight. his mother's like, no, this isn't going to work. And she (sighs) brought him to see me. And he has a pattern we call the ring of fire, which is he mm. does not have the typical ADHD brain, which is sleepy. The whole thing is working way too hard. And would you really stimulate a hyperactive brain? No, it's like pouring gasoline on a fire. Insane. And so on a combination of supplements, parent training, brain health education, he got dramatically better. And it's now 12 years later. And he, you know, on the honor roll for eight straight years and He's just doing great. So chapter one of the book is, well, how would they have treated Jared throughout history? Well, in ancient civilization, 6,000 years ago, they very well may have drilled a hole in his skull. (laughs) It's called trepanation to let out the evil spirits. Ouch. In Hippocrates, about 400 BC, Hippocrates would have changed his diet, got him to exercise, put him in a job. He loved, used music to calm All the good stuff. All of those things I like. And then he would have bled him to release the excessive humors. Mm. So, no, that's not a good idea. Yeah, I skipped that one. In the Middle Ages, in the Middle Ages, they would have put him in an asylum where they would have chained him, perhaps beaten, purged, and blistered him to try and get him to snap out of it. In the 18th and 19th centuries, they may have sterilized him and his family placed under suspicion in the eugenics program, which was actually started here in the United States. Horrific. Precursor to Nazi atrocities. In the 20th century, Freud would have had him on the couch four or five times a week talking about his internal conflicts and, of course, his relationship with his mother. Of course. You know, Mm -hmm. why are mothers always blamed for everything? Everything, yeah. And in the 1950s, he might have had a prefrontal lobotomy to deal with his aggressive impulses, which may have helped his aggression but permanently damaged his personality. And his learning. In the 1960s. Might have gotten electric shock therapy, which is not the kind of buzz you would like. Mm-mm. And, you know, currently it's the 15 minute med check, a pill for every ill. And, you know, I heard that pharmaceutical companies about 30 years ago, they decided purposefully not to be in the order business. They wanted to be in the reorder 
business. And I heard mm. John Paul DiGiorio, who started Paul Mitchell, I heard him lecture at a conference. And that's what he said. He said, if you want to build, you know, a business that will have exponential growth, don't be in the order business, be in the reorder business. And mm. so pharmaceuticals don't fix anything Mm-mm. in psychiatry. Mm-hmm. What, and, and I'm not opposed to the use of medication. Mm-hmm. I'm just opposed to that's the first and only thing you do. Mm. There's so many other things to do first. And that goes with what we were taught in medical school, which was first do no harm. Mm, Use exactly. the least toxic, most effective treatment. And for Jared, it it just works so well. And I mm. was at a charity event with him last year and we were having dinner together. And I said, okay, I'm so pleased. What do you want to do after college? And he said, I want to be a firefighter. And I said, why? He said, on someone's worst day, I want to make it better. And it just brought tears to my eyes because what we did with him literally changed the trajectory of his life. So did Jared Mm -hmm. have a mental illness or in fact, did he have a brain health problem? Mm. And I would argue he had a brain health problem that when we got his brain right, he was right. And Carolyn, nobody wants to see a psychiatrist. No, they're scary. Labeled as defective or abnormal. In 1979, when I told my dad I wanted to be a psychiatrist, he asked me why I didn't want to be a real doctor. Why I wanted to be a nut doctor and hang out with nuts (laughs) Um, all day long. And my dad never would get father of the year award. But (laughs) I understand 40 years later, I really got what he was saying Mm. because most psychiatrists don't act like real doctors. No. Which medical specialist? Never look at the organ they treat. It's mm. wrong. It is. And not only that, I mean, they don't look at the human, the human side, the person's story, the unique complexity of how they're functioning and what's really going on in their life. They just want to take a list of symptoms and medicalize it, as you say in your book as well, the whole reductionistic medicalization biomedical model. I mean, who wants to be told to have a, a neuropsychiatric brain disease? It doesn't exactly make for dinner t- table talk. It makes you look like you're crazy. So the, the reason I wanted you to go through that exercise of what you've just done so brilliantly is because the way mental, the mental space has been handled has not been done very well. We're still sitting in a place currently today where there's a few outliers like yourself and myself and some great psychologists and other psychiatrists out there that are trying to change this. The dominant theme is still this, if, you do, if you're sad or depressed, there's something that you've got an illness. And I also loved your story of Jarrett and that's why I wanted you to talk about it for the other reason is that I practiced clinically for 25 years and a large that I worked with patients that I worked with as well as research that I did was with kids with learning disabilities. And, and Daniel, I saw this trajectory and I tell everyone this, but I saw at the beginning of my career, I saw us sitting as a team with the psychiatrist, with the doctor, with the therapist, with the all of us together, the teacher, the parents, and we'd be sitting together and we would be 
trying to solve the child's problem. Let's look at the diet. Let's look at the exercise. Let's look at the mind management. Let's look at the learning skills. Does this child even know how to learn their mathematics? And, you know, once you address all, then suddenly it was, oh, okay, no, forget all of that. It takes too long. Too many teams involved, too many people, too much time, too much money. Just, you know, send them to the psychiatrist, whack them on a drug and stick them in special ed. And so began, I believe, the downslide. And kids that, that in the initial part of my, you know, that I would, I would have kids coming to my practice that I'd be getting off drugs and into diet, exercise, how to learn, how to manage the emotions, etc. And they would be successful. Like Jared, I can tell you a thousand stories that I didn't have the spec scan technology, but that's why I love your approach because you've got to look at the mind and the brain. You've got to look at the whole person and you do that so beautifully. Thank you. Thank you. During this crisis, taking care of our physical health is vital, but our mental health is just as important. If you are struggling with fear of the future, uncertainty, loss, insecurity, anger, or any other emotion that is causing you mental distress, one of the best remedies is talking to someone. And while it may not be possible to see someone in person, there are other great online options. My favorite online resource and one I highly recommend is BetterHelp. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 24 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. There is a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's counselor network, which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counsellors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counselling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit trybetterhelp.com forward slash Dr. Leaf. That's trybetterhelp.com slash Dr. Leaf and join the over 500,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. And just for my listeners, get 10% off your first month at trybetterhelp.com forward slash Dr. Leaf. The link and offer details will also be in the show notes. Where would you like to begin telling us about your book? You've told us that story. Should we begin with your bright minds? Do you want to talk about that? I love that whole acronym and how you, that kind of gives your big picture approach to how you're dealing with a person in terms of from beginning well, to end. It's very timely given the pandemic. And, you know, I'm just horrified that the United States, the richest country in the world, has the most death and we do not have the biggest population but we have the most death by you know double triple uh, i'm horrified mm. by it so the idea in the end of mental illness is these things are not mental illnesses they're mm -hmm. brain health issues that steal your mind that one idea just changes everything it does get your brain right 
and your mind will follow. Exactly. And you've got to use your mind to get your brain right, to get your mind right. So you've got to, you've got to look at those aspects. Love it. Sorry, go ahead. And if you want to keep your brain healthy or rescue it, if it's headed to the dark place, you have to prevent or treat the 11 major risk factors that steal your mind. And we know what they are. I created a mnemonic called Bright Minds. And what's interesting about these risk factors, they're also the risk factors that kill you if you get infected with the virus. That's so interesting. Say that again. Sorry, I don't think people got that. They need to hear that again. That is brilliant. So if you want to prevent the second wave of COVID-19 killing you, what you need to do is prevent or treat the 11 major risk factors that steal your mind. And we know what they are. So the mnemonic is bright minds. So for example, the first I in bright minds is inflammation. And high inflammation, which comes from a processed food diet, low levels of omega-3 fatty acids and unhealthy gut, gum disease, it's inflammation from COVID-19 that really kills people. Mm. Most people have heard of the cytokine storm, which is an inflammatory storm. It's a reaction to the virus. Well, if you already have inflammation in your body, the storm is going to be worse. And inflammation also increases your risk of depression and dementia. Mm. And so making sure you have anti-inflammatory strategies like a healthy diet, omega-3 fatty acids, probiotic, taking really good care of your gums and teeth are just critical to both mental health and physical health. The D in Bright Minds is diabetes. It's this combination where you're overweight and or diabetic or Mm pre-diabetic. And according to a study in JAMA, 50% of the population is diabetic or pre-diabetic. That's just a disaster from a health standpoint. And 72% of us are overweight, 40% obese. I published two studies that show as your weight goes up, the actual physical size and function of your brain goes down, which should scare the fat off anyone. Exactly. Obesity and diabetes are both risk factors of death from COVID-19. And there's papers coming out on that, Daniel, as well, with this research coming out now that people that are obese, that they are more susceptible. So it's not, this is not just something that you are surmising. This is actual scientific fact that your internal environment, what you're eating is definitely increasing your risk factor. People don't like to hear that, though, because it means you have to change your diet. There's a New Testament verse I like a lot, John 8.32, know the truth and the truth will set you free. And, you know, people don't like to hear as your weight goes up, the size and function of your brain goes down. But when I first figured that out, there was a study from the University of Pittsburgh that showed that with MRI scans. I lost like 25 pounds because I'm not going to be a dinosaur, you know, big body, little brain, (laughs) going to become (laughs) extinct. And that's so good. I like that. And I never want to 
fat shame anyone. I mean, that's not helpful. Mm-mm. But at the same time, if you don't know that your unhealthy habits are damaging your brain, you don't have the motivation to do the right thing mm. to get well. Mm, that's so true. That's so true. Okay, so that was you. You covered. A, there's a few more things to the bright minds. Give us some more of them. You smiling? Well, immunity and infections. I had no idea how relevant, relevant. that was going to be. But there's a brand new study just came out of Indonesia that people who have low vitamin D levels, so vitamin D is in Daniel, that they died more commonly than people wow. who had healthy levels. Wow. And so know your vitamin D level and optimize it. And we know there are a lot of infectious disease that actually cause mental illnesses. They're not mental, no. but they cause brain health issues mm-hmm. like Lyme disease or mm-hmm. Epstein-Barr. Some people know I was in Justin Bieber's docuseries Seasons because yeah. I was his doctor and he talked about having Lyme and Epstein-Barr. And, you know, it's just easy to say mm. someone's bad. It's much harder to go, why? Why is someone having challenging behavior? Mm. And I hadn't seen him in a while. And I saw a video of him with facial tics. And I'm like, something's attacking his brain. Mm. And, you know, as we went to search for what was attacking his brain, we were able to find it. Mm-hmm. And as we balanced his brain, took the infections out, mm. he did better. Wow. And so infectious disease. And we know with COVID that it, you know, for many people, some of the earliest symptoms are they lose their sense of taste and, and smell, smell mm. which are brain functions. Yeah, absolutely. You've got to look at the biological functions of your body. So you've got to use, me- that's using medicine really well, where you're actually looking at the potential physical issues that could be generating or causing any kind of mental mind issue or mental space issues, but you've also got to rule out how you're managing your mind. And that's where I think you talk about in your, in your bright minds, you talk about the ants that come somewhere along in, in somewhere in, in the, let me just have it, pull it up here, your bright. Do you, you, you spoke about genetics too and head trauma. I'd love to touch on a few of those. So do you want to talk about the ants or do you want to talk about, carry on talking a little bit more about the bright minds? Should we talk a little bit about? Well, let's talk about if you really want to get healthy. Yeah, let's what, do that. When I was in medical school, our dean, like week one, he came into the classroom and he said, never think of your patients by their diagnoses. Always think of them in four big circles. And he went to the board and he drew four big circles. In the first circle, he wrote biology. And that's the physical functioning of their body and their brain. And that's where bright minds really fit. And then the next circle, he wrote in psychology or your mind. And this is your development and the ANTS. It's a term I created later. ANTS stands for automatic negative thoughts, the thoughts that come into your mind automatically and ruin your day. So, yes, you have hardware. Think of your biology, but you also have software, which is how you think. And we live in a society that is mentally undisciplined. Yes, totally agree with that. As soon as the pandemic started, I wrote this on my Instagram page, and then I was on Dr. Phil because he liked this. Mental hygiene is just as important as washing your hands. Hands, yeah. We need to disinfect our thoughts 
and kill the ants that are stealing Very good. our happiness. Love that. And then he, he drew another circle and there he put social. So the social circle is who do you hang out with? Because you become like the people you spend time mm. with. And so social connection. So again, from a computer standpoint, you know, there's hardware, there's software, mm -hmm. and then there's network connections. And mm -hmm. so getting our relationship right is healing. Getting your relationships yeah. right actually has antidepressant effects. Exactly. They've done studies head to head, Prozac versus interpersonal psychotherapy. They were equally effective in some studies. And then the last circle, which is actually my favorite circle, even though I'm sort of known as the brain doctor, is the spiritual circle, mm. which is why the heck do you care? What is your deepest sense of meaning mm. and purpose? Mm. And Viktor Frankl was not a fan of Freud. Viktor Frankl was a Viennese psychiatrist mm -hmm. and wrote one of the world's most popular books, Man's mm -hmm. Search for Meaning. Meaning. Mm -hmm. And he was a contemporary of uh, Abraham Maslow, who everybody mm -hmm. knows, or most people know mm -hmm. of Maslow's hierarchy, yeah. that you need to have safety and security before you can have self-actualization. And Frankl actually disagreed with him because he studied mm. people in Nazi concentration yeah. camps because he ended up stuck in one. And he yep. said, even in the harshest times, like Nazi Germany or a pandemic, it's the people who survived were people who had a reason, people who had mm. meaning and purpose. And so I often ask my patient, so why are you on the planet? What is your sense? of meaning and purpose? What's your connection with God, with the planet, with the past? So for me, that's my grandfather. Mm -hmm. And the future, and for me, that's my grandbabies. Mm -hmm. And so knowing your sense of purpose, minds to help people have better brains and better lives, it just helps you live longer. Mm, and oh, so understanding someone, it's the, you understand those four terms of all of those, yeah. And getting people well is you get them well in, in all four, four circles. circles. Oh, I love that. I love that. And I love that you brought up Victor Frankl when we were doing the Instagram live just recently, you and I, we spoke about that. And it, and I've been to Auschwitz and I mean, it's just, it's beyond belief. And it's and it's true. What You, you can't believe anyone could ever have survived and how some people actually got through that. And it's just amazing, you know, after reading his book, then going there, then reading his book again, that sense of hope and meaning as you've just described so beautifully, it's just vital in terms of us as hum humans, that, that hope's got to be there. And then just I interviewed Dan Butner recently, you know, the set of the Blue Zones. And it's interesting that the most, once again, the people that live the longest are the ones who have that deep, that spiritual, that, that meaning. And then it leads to that connection. So we can't, as humans, we, we can't take that humanity out. And to come back to the beginning, right to the beginning when you started talking today, when you talked about how it's gone to, psychiatry's gone to the 15-minute med check kind of situation. Situation. Our humanity has been forgotten, hasn't it? I mean, it's, they've taken that out. You've got to consider those four circles. You've got to consider the whole, the integrated spirit, soul, and body, which is the research I've been doing as well for the last 38 years. You cannot, Daniel, 30 years ago, and this you'll relate to, and I 
started out in a 30, nearly 38 years ago, I remember saying to one of my professors when they said, what do you want to do for your, because I had an interesting combination of degrees. So when I was diving into my, one of my first research studies, I said, I want to show how the mind can change the brain, how the mind and the brain are separate, but they're inseparable. And that we, as we more deliberate and intentional about our minds, we can change our brain. So they told me that that's a, a ridiculous question. I remember being told that they said their brain can't change. The brain is just like, that's it. Do you remember those days when they believed the brain couldn't change and that we had no power? And we were literally, if someone had a trauma or something like that, well, just teach them to compensate, you know? And that's so hopeless. It was such a hopeless view. You know, we swung from that hopeless view to the medicated well, view. I mean, what we know is that was, that's an old view that is wrong. The, you know, my best selling book ever is called Change Your Brain, Change Your Life because you can change your brain and I can prove it. Exactly. And that's where you, when I was doing my research, you bought that book out in the 90s, I think it was, the late 90s, something. That's right. And I had done, so this research I was talking about was in the in the late 80s. And that was when neuroplasticity wasn't even spoken about that much. And I did work with traumatic brain injury and worked with neuroplasticity. When I saw your book, I remember getting your book, I probably was one of the first people to buy it. Was, you know, someone actually is talking and talking about this being a reality. The fact that when you use your mind, you can change your brain. Your brain does not stay the same. And it's such a message of hope, isn't it? It's such a spiritual message that you're actually bringing out in terms of when you look after your brain, it's very spiritual too, because it's got all those four components. Many of you have asked me if I take supplements and multivitamins and which ones I would recommend. Well, after doing extensive research on what is out there on the market, sources, ingredients, and so on, I came across a clear winner, Ritual. I love Ritual and have been taking it for months now. Ritual's essentials have the nutrients most of us don't get enough of from food, all in their clean, absorbable forms. No shady additives or ingredients that can do more harm to your body than good. Two easy-to-take capsules provide nine nutrients you need to support a strong foundation for your health. Ritual Essential for Women is the multivitamin reimagined. From D3 to Omega-3, Ritual's Essential for Women helps fill gaps in a woman's diet. Their no-nausea capsule design is gentle on an empty stomach. And there's a mint tab in every bottle to keep things fresh, so you don't get that fishy aftertaste common with most omega-3s. Ritual is also delivered so you can avoid going to a pharmacy or store and waiting in long checkout lines, because let's be honest, we can do so many more productive things with our time. Better health doesn't happen overnight. And right now, Ritual is offering my listeners 10% off during your first three months. Fill in the gaps in your diet with Essential for Women, a small step that helps support a healthy foundation for your body. Visit ritual.com forward slash Dr. Leaf to start your ritual today. That's 10% off during your first three months at ritual.com forward slash Dr. Leaf. The link and offer details will also be in the show notes. I did a study that I talk about in Change Your Brain, Change Your Life of a woman focused on what she loved about her life and then what she hated about her life. And the negativity disrupted her brain. It actually mm. dropped the function in her frontal lobe, so her decisions were worse. In her temporal lobe, so she's more irritable. Mm. And in her cerebellum, so she becomes uncoordinated and confused. And so moment by moment, your brain is changing. reacts to every thought 
you have. Exactly. And I know my brain can be better tomorrow if I sleep better tonight. My brain will absolutely be worse tomorrow if I get drunk tonight or if I use drugs tonight. So moment by moment, the brain can change. But on our scans, Carolyn, we can actually see Alzheimer's disease mm. decades before you have any symptoms mm. to know if you're headed to the dark place. One of my favorite patients, her name is Lisa Gibbons. She's a media personality. and I was on her show many years ago and just loved her. But her mother and her grandmother died with Alzheimer's mm. disease. And I'm like, you need to come see me. And she mm. got divorced when she was 51 and got depressed. And then she came and her brain at 51 looked terrible, but she's mm. super smart. Mm -hmm. And she just did everything I asked her to do. And 10 years later, I scanned her again last year. Her brain is dramatically better, which means wow. you're not stuck with the exactly. brain you have. Exactly. You can Thank make you. it better. I love that. That's the that's such a hopeful message, and that in itself is reason for for living. You, you your brain is never the same, but the way that you design your brain is up to you. And it's the diet, the exercise, the mind, the thoughts. Everything is contributing. And it's so interesting that you bring up that up about how Alzheimer's you can predict years, decades before. Because there's a I don't know if you're aware of the scientist Lisa Marsconi. I think it's how I pronounce her name. She's working on showing how with women she works a lot with 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 women and how your neuroendocrine system are linked up. But basically, how Alzheimer's can is, is totally linked up to your to menopause and how you are managing menopause, how your brain is changing. It's so important that you actually make sure that you are looking after your brain in your 30s, in your 20s, from day one, because it's going to impact how you go into menopause, which is going to impact your chance of Alzheimer's. Interesting link. It just reminded me when you said this, that we've got to look after our brain from day one. This should be a lesson in school. And the M in bright minds is neurohormones. And if you go through menopause and your estrogen level just goes away, that increases your risk of trouble. So I'm mm. a fan of keeping estrogen levels mm. as if you're in your 30s. Yes, totally. Mm. Because it helps you have a healthy brain. So mm. why do our hormones you know, drop dramatically for men and women? with age, well, it's the planet's way of getting rid of you <laughs> to leave resources for the next generation. Uh, that's such and a good I answer. understand that, but I'm not okay with it. Oh, I and love that. <laughs> you want you want a I few extra that. years. That was hilarious. You just got a few extra years there. I agree with you. I mean, also that's why we have that's why we have science so that we can learn how to counter that and, and find out about bioidentical hormone replacement therapy or whatever it is that you do to Make sure that your hormones stay at, at, at age 30 level. <laughs> well, and they're natural ways to yeah, optimize yeah. your hormones. But if the natural ways don't work, I mean, if your thyroid didn't work right, would you really not take thyroid? Exactly. Of course you would. And so that they think of sex hormones differently. I know. And people get all wigged out about it. But do you want energy? You know, testosterone is just not about sex. It's about energy and motivation and strength. Uh, I want 
all of those things. Exactly. And if you don't have enough estradiol, your poor brain cells can't do what they're supposed to do just to function. So you can't, you know, as it drops off, you just put yourself at such risk. This is amazing. You also talk about developing the brain. I, I love this. I was very excited when, when I saw R is for retirement, retirement and aging. When you stop learning, your brain starts dying. Okay. So I talk so much about brain building. And with my patients, I would start with brain building, brain first, instead of diving straight into the emotional, I'd work with that as a predominant mental health issue. So like if you learning, getting your brain growing, and then we'll deal with the emotional because it builds resilience. And so that excited me that you, for years, you've been focusing on building your brain. Can you talk about that one? Well, you know, what I've seen is one of the biggest risk factors for brain trouble is aging. And I hate that, right? The older I get, the more I hate it. Yeah. But as we age, the brain gets less and less active, sort of like as we age and our skin falls off our face, the same process <laughs> yeah. happens in the brain. But it doesn't have, have to. to. That's and the that's thing. the mm. exciting news is you can actually make your brain look younger by doing the right things. And, you, you know, Love something that. simple, for example like your ferritin level. Ferritin is a measure of iron storage. And if ferritin is low, people are anxious and they can't concentrate and they're tired. But when iron is high and mine tends to run high, it promotes aging. So I'm always going donating blood mm. as a way, helps other people, but it helps me because it lowers my iron level. So funny story, I was mm. in Istanbul my wife and I were on vacation and we're at the famous spice market and right outside the smart spice market, they had these big jugs of water and one of them had leeches in it. And uh, I looked at Tana, my uh, wife is a neurosurgical ICU nurse. And I'm like, why are they selling leeches? Uh, and she goes, well, they bleed you. And that some people believe it's healthy, but what's actually happening goodness. when you're getting blood is they will actually take away the excess iron. Iron, okay. And that helps people stay young. Personally, I'd rather donate blood. I kind of agree with your version. Yeah, I think I'd rather donate <laughs> blood than, than do the leaching thing. But that's fascinating. That's absolutely fascinating. Okay, let's handle another one of these. How about head trauma? H for head trauma. It's a major cause of psychiatric problems. And nobody knows it. Why? I because know. Mental health professionals never look. Mm. So if you said, hey, Daniel, single most important thing from 160,000 scans, mild traumatic brain injury ruins people's lives and nobody knows about it because nobody looks. And, Gosh. you know, you can go to the psychiatrist and go, I have a bad temper and I'm irritable and I'm anxious, and I almost hit my child, and it really scared me. And he'll diagnose you with intermittent explosive disorder. What the hell does that mean? I don't know. It means you explode intermittently. I mean, yeah, and, and wreck you on a In my mind, it means almost always you've had a concussion mm. or a head injury at some point in I the past. I agree with you. That could be repaired. And it's easy to call people bad. It's mm. harder to go, why? And Love that. I'm just seeing, and I did the big NFL study when the NFL was lying, they had a problem mm. with traumatic brain injury in football. 
and I've scanned 300 NFL players. I mean, really cool players like Terry Bradshaw and Freddie Dreyer, Rosie Greer, and high levels of damage. Mm. But also 80% of them get better when we put them on a rehabilitation Mm. program. Well, how exciting. Exactly. It's so exciting. Your brain can be better even if you've been bad to it. I think that's just, uh, that's why I asked you this question because one of the areas I worked in in my practice was with traumatic brain injury and CTE as well. And they were just kind of written off. There was such a dearth of research back in the 80s and 90s on traumatic brain injury. And also there's a whole industry around sports. So, you know, they, they also don't want to know about head injuries. We know the whole history behind there. So there's a lot of stuff going on, but now it's in people's faces. They have to recognize it. But I also saw, I, honestly, Daniel, I would see patients that we basically put through using their mind to train their brain, to build their brain, to, to change your mind, change your brain. It worked. I had patients that were written off as in on a, on a low level of second grade level going to get university degrees that had been written off. And I could tell you a thousand stories like you can tell a thousand stories. This is real. People have to realize if you don't look after your mind, look after your brain. And there, there are consequences. We, we can't just think because you can't see it that we don't look after it. Sure. And we should be protecting children's brains letting them hit soccer balls with their head, play tackle football, skateboard, snowboard, put them at risk for injuries, just has the possibility of damaging the rest of their lives. Your brain is soft about the consistency of soft butter. Your skull is really hard with sharp, bony ridges. We need to do a better job of protecting it. I have a ping pong table in my house. We play all the time. There are no brain injuries with table tennis. Dancing Mm. is amazing. Golf is good. We need to rethink how we allow, what we allow developing brains to do. You Mm. know, God gave you parents to be your frontal lobes until your frontal lobes develop. I love that. And I, and thank you for saying that. I've been quite unpopular when I say that I don't, I hate football. I hate rugby. You know, I grew up in South Africa where rugby is, is a religion, like football is a religion in this country. And it's just people don't want to hear that these are dangerous. These are not things, as you said, there are other alternatives. We, we really need to relook at what we allowing our children to do and to play because the, the, the research is in. I mean, the evidence is there. It's been there for years that we have to watch the after effects. This episode is brought to you by Seed, a scientifically validated next generation probiotic. More and more research is showing the importance of a healthy gut for optimal mental and brain health. Because a healthy gut is so important, I have really put some time and effort into researching the best probiotic for myself and my family. And Seed was a clear winner for all of us. Seed's daily symbiotic contains 24 unique strains of beneficial bacteria and three powerful prebiotic compounds that have been clinically studied to deliver a wide range of benefits. I have always struggled with bloating, but since taking Seed's daily symbiotic, I have really noticed a big improvement in my digestion. I don't get that uncomfortable bloat after each meal. I cannot recommend Seed enough. And just for my listeners, Seed is offering 15% off your first month of the daily symbiotic. Just visit seed.com and use the code MENTALMESS. The link and details will also be in the show notes. People go, well, how can you have any fun? 
And I do an exercise. We have a high school course called Brain Thrive by 25. It's in all 50 states and seven countries. And when I go through the section on what to avoid, invariably, it's always a 14-year-old boy who raises his hand and goes, how can you have any fun? (laughs) And so we play a game with them called Who Has More Fun? The kid with the good brain or the kid with the bad brain? Oh, that's great. Who gets the girl and gets to keep her because he's not an ass? I love it. The good brain or the kid with the bad brain? Who gets into the college they want to get into? Who makes, who gets the best jobs, makes the most money, has the most consistently reliable life, the best relationships? It's the person with the good brain. None of this is Mm. hard. And basically, it comes down to this one question. In the book, The End of Mental Illness, I have dozens of tiny habits. You know, what's the smallest thing you can do today that will make the biggest difference? And the mother tiny habit, the most important tiny habit is as you go through your day, ask yourself, is this good for my brain or bad for it? Mm, that's and really you can great. answer that question with information and love. You love yourself. You love the people in your life. You love your mission. You'll do the right thing. Because doing the right thing is never about you should do the right thing. It's like, yeah, nobody mm. does that. Mm-mm-mm-mm. It's because you care about yourself. Ultimately, doing the right thing is about love. Oh, I love that. That's absolutely brilliant. Daniel, you've had, you've, you've challenged your, your profession. You know, you as a psychiatrist, don't do what the other psychiatrists do. And one of the things about psychiatry that's always been, a, for me, a, a, besides a lot of the horror stories is, I mean, I know some fantastic psychiatrists like yourself, but there has been this thing that that's the one branch of medicine where you actually have your choices taken away from you. So if you have a cancer diagnosis, the oncologist can prescribe or recommend treatment and you can say, I don't want to do that. And you won't be locked up. But in the current day and age, if you are displaying any kind of signs of any kind of mental illness as they define it, and I don't see it as an illness, you can have your rights removed from you. And that scares me. And and just the whole way that you approach mind and brain is very different to what is happening out there. How have you handled the challenges in your career? Because you've really challenged your profession. I'd love to know you, your mental health. I mean, how have you done this? Yeah, it's hard. It was really hard early on because I have two big flaws, and I've been working on them. One is I don't like conflict. I just don't. It Mm. doesn't make me happy. Mm. And I like it when people like me. And when I started doing imaging, I found myself in the middle of a firestorm. Psychiatrists don't do that. Even though I learned it at the American Psychiatric Association in 1992, they did an all-day conference on brain spect imaging and child psychiatry. I'm also a child psychiatrist. And and I just, I loved it. And uh, I started doing it and I got no end of grief from my colleagues. So I have conflict and people don't like me. They're calling me bad names. Because I'm like, how do you know unless you look? And my Mm. first 10 cases were miraculous. I mean, I still remember all of them. Mm. And and so I found myself in the middle of a firestorm being very unhappy. But my patients were getting better. And I I don't Mm. work at an academic center. I don't work for, you know, I mean, I taught at the Department of Psychiatry at UCI. But I didn't, I wasn't dependent on them for money. Yeah. And... But then it all changed in 1995 
when I got a call late one night from my sister-in-law, Sherry, who told me my nine-year-old nephew, Andrew, had attacked a little girl on the baseball field that day. And Andrew was my godson. And so I'm like this and I'm horrified. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Sherry, what else is going on? And she Mm -hmm. said, Danny, he's different. He's mean. He doesn't smile anymore. I went into his room today and found two pictures he had drawn. One of them, he was hanging from a tree in Mm. a suicide attempt. Mm. The other picture, he was shooting other children. Mm. So in retrospect, Andrew was Columbine or Sandy Hook Mm. or Parkland, Florida waiting Mm. to To happen. happen. And based on my work, so now I've been scanning for four years and scanned many violent children. I'm thinking he's got a problem in his left temporal lobe. And so they drove eight hours to see me the next day. And I'm sitting with my godson and I'm like, buddy, what's going on? And he said, Uncle Danny, I don't know. I'm mad all the time. Wow. I said, is anybody hurting you? He said, no. I said, is anybody teasing you? He said, no. I said, is anybody touching you in places they shouldn't be touching you? And he said, no. And, you know, I scanned him. It turned out he had a cyst the size of a golf ball. Oh, gosh. In the space of his temporal lobe. Oh, my gosh. And I had a neurosurgeon at UCLA drain the cyst. And after the surgery, I got two calls. One from his mother, who said when Andrew woke up from surgery, he smiled at her. She said, Danny, he hadn't smiled in a year. But the next call wow. was from the neurosurgeon who said, oh, my God, Dr. Amen, that just was so aggressive. I put so much pressure on the little boy's brain that actually thinned the bone over his temporal lobe. Wow. That if I wouldn't have pushed for that surgery, wow. that he could have been killed instantly if he was hit in the head. Or oh, my way, gosh. Six months, he would have been dead. <gasps> and it's at that moment I wow. lost all the anxiety. I didn't care anymore if you liked me. And I was ready basically to take on the fight of my life if you don't look you don't know stop lying i love that i love that and i love your courage and i thank you for being a pioneer and leading the way and giving us the courage to carry on as well because it's not when you come against a system that's so entrenched and so financially driven it's not easy but that is the the motivation so that's you hang on to that story that's i mean that story is a is amazing Thank you. Any more? Oh, there's, I can just think of a million questions I could still ask you, but I've got to respect your time. You've got to go to another event. So what would you say would be a really great pearl of wisdom that you could leave with my viewers and listeners? And I promise them that I'll beg you to come back again. Well, if you can just engage in that little tiny habit, is this good for my brain or bad for it? Your mind can be better. Your mood can be better. Your memory can be better, love your brain, Mm. and ultimately you'll begin to love your life. Oh, that's fantastic. I love it. And Dr. Emin, you have got clinics all around the country, and you've got this incredible book. So where can people find out about you? And we'll put all those links in the show notes. But if you can just tell the viewers. So they can go to aminclinics.com and learn about our eight clinics, soon to be nine, around the country. If they want to learn about their brain type, they can go to brainhealthassessment.com, brainhealthassessment.com, and they can get the end of mental illness at barnesandnoble.com, at Amazon, anywhere great books are sold. 
Fantastic. Well, I'll put, we'll put all those links in the show notes and thank you so much for your time. It's been amazing. And I believe we've just sort of touched the tip of the iceberg, but you've given incredible wisdom and advice. So thank you so much. Appreciate it. What a pleasure, Carolyn. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you found today's podcast interesting and helpful. If you want more tips and help with managing anxiety, depression, and mental health, be sure to visit my website at drleaf.com and to sign up for my weekly newsletter where I also include a schedule of my speaking events and so much more. And follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just look for Dr. Caroline Leaf. Also, I love seeing all your posts on social media about this podcast. I love seeing what resonates with you and what you've learned. So be sure to continue posting and tagging me and letting me know what you think and how these tips worked out for you. And don't forget, leave a review and keep spreading the word about this podcast. Thank you for joining me today. I really hope you learned something new and helpful. Till then, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf. This podcast represents the opinions of myself and my guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for educational and informational purposes only. Please consult your healthcare professional for any individual medical questions you may have. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions or corrections of errors.